This episode of History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast, is brought to you by River City Segs, the premier Segway tour company in Richmond, the only Segway tour company in Virginia with an indoor Segway-specific training area. Find out more information or book a tour at rivercitysegs.com. You'll also be able to check out information on Facebook, River City Segs, Instagram, uh, Twitter at 804segs. Uh, all of those you'll be able to find about special tours like the Christmas Lights Tour coming up or discounts like the buy one, get one free special we'll be having in December. Give a call, 804-343-6105 or check out rivercitysegs.com or any of those social media sites. And remember, always practice safe sides. This is History Replays today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. I hope you're having a great day. I have Benjamin Ross on the show, who's been the historian at Six Mount Zion Baptist Church for 29 years now. Six Mount Zion Baptist Church was started by a very charismatic preacher named Reverend John Jasper. Jasper was a slave, former slave, when he started the church, and he started it in an old Confederate horse stable down by the river just after the Civil War. Six Mount Zion. You know, it's so successful that shortly after that, it's going to be moved to 14 West Duval Street in what will become Jackson Ward. It's not even Jackson Ward yet at the time. I mean, its rich history is still continuing. And if you want to go check it out, you can you know, attend a service at 1045 on Sunday mornings. Benjamin Ross will be telling us about the, you know, John Jasper's life. Uh, who's, his most famous sermon is Dim Stars Do Move, in which he proves that the sun revolves around the earth and that the earth is flat both by using the bible obviously they are not true and i can only assume that most people at the late 19th century knew that uh, most do anyways except for it's you know it's really proof of the power of a sermon delivered by reverend john jasper you know he is in very important you know nationally uh, he's also very important to the city. He's important enough that Benjamin was telling me that the, the gavel that they use down at City Hall is actually made by from from wood taken out of John Jasper's house. Uh, that house was actually destroyed when they put the interstate through and when, when they destroyed Jackson Ward and, you know, cut it in half and really changed the geography of the city, especially within the, the black community. And, you know, that comes into play, and Six Mile Zion has a huge uh, role to play in, in, in that chapter of Richmond's history. You know, why did Martin Luther King not speak at the church when, like he was supposed to in 1968? There's a lot more to get, that's going to go on. Um, if you want to check out some pictures of Reverend John Jasper, uh, the building that the you know the, the, little, the drawing of the, the, the little horse stable on, uh, on down on Browns Island where the, the church started, uh, you can check out the, the pictures of the church today. Some other stuff at historyreplacetoday.org. Uh, you'll also find there some links to support the podcast, including sponsorships, just like River City Segs. You can also find out about uh, donating to the podcast. Any any little bit counts, you know, just buy me a cup of coffee. 
that would be awesome. Just a couple bucks, that'll do the trick. You can also find out about uh, you know links to you know follow this podcast on Facebook, on Tumblr, uh, History Replays Today, or on Twitter at History Replays. Another way that you can help support the podcast really is just to tell your friends, you know, post it on those social media sites, tell your tell the local grocer, uh, you know, tell your grandparents. I mean, if they don't know how to use iTunes or Stitcher, you know, show your grandparents. Show them how to subscribe. That'd be awesome. But I'm gonna start out with Benjamin Ross, talking to him, you know, it's really just about who who John Jasper was. He's born a slave, right? 1812. On the 4th of July, 1812, the last of 24 children. Right. In Bluebana County on a plantation there. He found his way to Richmond as a teenager, and he started working as a slave here. Um, on his birthday, he was down in Capitol Square when he had a religious conversion. And that's when he set on a career as a preacher. And how, how old is he at that point? Right, 1839, he's married about 25 years okay. old. Uh, he, um, so he starts preaching. He is, I'm not going to say illiterate, but uneducated, because mm-hmm. you couldn't, you didn't have an education. He had, to his credit, um, a good imagination, um, a good set of lungs, <laughs> and a, a penchant for drama. And so the drama and the preaching and the yelling and the hollering and the screaming um, caught the attention of a lot of people. And his sincere belief in the Bible, he believed literally what the Bible said. Thus that Sunday sermon, which was crazy and everybody, um, people loved it, people hated it. Uh, didn't make sense. The sun don't move. The earth is not square. But he found passages in the Bible that alluded to that, and that you know gave him that one up, so to speak. That I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible, and he would say, "Don't get mad at me if you don't like the sermon. Um, you know, go to the Lord and get mad at the Lord because he's only preaching what the Bible says." Anyway, all of that, the, the, the sermon, the drama, women fainting. You know, everybody liked him, whites in particular. He wouldn't have gotten that kind of newspaper something that white people didn't like him. White people loved it. I'm still trying to figure that out. White people loved the Reverend John Jasper. And they would pack out this church. We would have special seats, special sections of the church just for the white citizens of Richmond. But and, and what kind, when is he starting to get this attention, though? I mean, when is... Well, it, um, okay, well, it 18- builds up. He... Um, so you're looking at 1830s, you said, is when he had his um, conversion. His conversion. He was a member of the First African Baptist Church at the time. Right. Um, and, you know, they broke away, and they it was the First Baptist Church mm-hmm. down there on um, 14th and College or somewhere down there around BCU. And um, so the slaves broke away, and they formed their own church, First African. He was in there. He was baptized there. And then I think the preaching career began. Now, again, his preaching was a little bit more different from um, others. The stomping and hooping and hollering and um, 
um, you know, people getting all excited to uh, to hear him. I'm trying to turn this still one thing off. Yeah. But it's one of the things that caused the split, as I understand, from the Baptist Ch- First Baptist Church and to allowing yeah. them to have the First African Baptist Church yeah. is that yes. um, raucous, you know, African, uh, you know... Well, uh, there was too many black people in the church, for one thing. Right, but in, in bringing in interpretations of their own... True, of their, their own. own, yes, yes, the way in which African Americans interpreted the Bible and, and their own style of worship. Right. Um, but I think it all boiled down to when the... When they, when that church decided to go their separate ways, the whites went one way and the blacks went the one way. I think it really boiled down to the fact that there were more black slaves in right. the church worshiping than there were whites, um, and so they became a majority uh, there. Uh, and a few other things, and I think that's when they decided to go their their separate ways. And, and so he's starting out preaching. And so he at, went on about his business, yes. Yeah, so he's preaching at the First African Baptist Church? No, I don't think so. I think he, he started, his career began as a funeral slave preacher. Okay. So whenever a slave died here in Richmond or around the state of Virginia, for that matter, um, he would be requested to, to preach. They liked the way he preached. It was... It was fire and brimstone. It was hard driving and hooping and hollering and screaming and wailing. And, and for funerals, that's what you had. You mm-hmm. had to have that or it wouldn't be a funeral at all. You know, nowadays funerals, uh, I went to a funeral two weeks ago up at Ebenezer for a very popular woman. Uh, she was a, a choral director known throughout Richmond. <clears throat> and... Um, that thing only lasted one hour. Right. Uh, anybody say nothing, you know. But in Jasper's day, and that's what we go after nowadays for funerals, the quicker, yeah. the more somber, and sober, the better. Right. But that wasn't the case 150 years ago. When Jasper was preaching at slave funerals. Oh, God, it took weeks just to get it together. Right. You know, <laughs> and he might have to travel to Charlottesville, for example. Uh, he was working as a tobacco stemmer. Uh, and, and as, a slave. as a slave. As a slave. As a slave. And every day he was away from work, you had to pay his owner a dollar for every day he was gone. Uh, you know, all that. Right. <laughs> and and um, are these slaves that are throwing, uh, thro- throwing the funeral? Sounds like a party. But, th- you know, are yeah. they paying that dollar? Or is he getting paid to, for his work? They're probably paying that dollar um, somehow. They, they probably pulled up, got that money together because he was the featured speaker. Now, many times he may have been the featured speaker, but he had to wait his turn to speak. And there were white eulogists who would preach the funeral for oh, for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. But everybody sat patiently because they knew Jasper was there, and that's who they came to hear. And then he would get up. Mm-hmm. And while everybody probably sat through the two-hour eulogy, you know, just sat through it, by the time Jasper got finished with the um, the scene often was described as a bedlam. <laughs> Folks had laid out on the ground, women fainted, crying, and oh, I can only imagine what, what, what it was like. Uh, but that caught on and um, spread throughout the state. This man, the Reverend John Jasper, is a preaching machine. And um, so by the time the war was over, 
And we organized the church in the horse stable. He was about 52, maybe 55. Wouldn't, you know Um, what, even before you go to that, this may be completely out of your realm of even study, but where are blacks getting buried in Richmond? Because I know there's the old Negro burial ground, which by 1800, Gabriel's being buried there. Oh, down there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but is that, is he preaching there or where? He's preaching everywhere because he again he did not have a church right, but up until I mean, eighteen sixty. Where were blacks been allowed to be buried? I, well, many of them are down there in that burial ground down at the bottom of the hill, you know, off of Broad Street. Okay, yeah, the, like the, the, But there are other places around the city. This is just like downtown. But if you were up in Churchill, mm-hmm. then you. I guess that's Oakwood Cemetery. Okay. And you know, Maggie Walker, the might be out there in Evergreen. Right. And, and that's then, a bit uh, later, though. That's, I think that is Evergreen. Much later. I think it's chartered in the 1880s or 90s, I believe. He was buried twice. Right. When he died in 1901, he was buried in a cemetery in, they called it Barton Heights Cemetery. Um, and 17 years later, after his death, the city decided that they wanted the land for mm-hmm. development and put out the call to everybody. If you got somebody buried over there, you better go get them because the city was going to dig up everybody and bury everybody at one time. So the congregation here, oh, no, 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 you can't dig up John Jasper and throw him somewhere. And so they went and got him. And they um, um, reburied him. He is now out there in Woodlawn Cemetery. Um, I would read the very passage to you, but I don't have, I don't have those materials with me. But anyway, he was Sorry. buried. He was buried a second time. Um, I thought I kept that. Well, I guess I didn't. Um, so yeah, where were they buried? On the south side, probably buried over there, off of Morris Street somewhere. Um, but many graves were unmarked anyway. Right. Which is that whole business down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the hospital. Sure. That those are all unmarked graves. Yeah. All right. So I didn't want to get too sidetracked. I just thought of that. I just never really. Yeah. yeah, So he, he, so after the, and and I guess during the war, is he, you know, as a slave, he's going to stay in Richmond? Yes. Now he, um, you know, he was given authority to minister to wounded Civil War soldiers up there at Shimaraza. That was a very rare thing. But again, white folks liked him. You know, he was and by that time, they already was, liked him. He, oh, yes, yes, yes. Even, yeah, before the church was organized. Okay. Um, he was given authority to marry slaves. We have um, a piece of paper up in the archive where he's written down he married two slaves in December of 1865. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he wrote their names down. I can't call it right now. Um, he, so he could marry slaves. He could minister to wounded Civil War soldiers. In fact, if you go up to the Shimaraza, uh, they have a thing on him up there. Okay, and in, 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 in the, uh, in the, in the National Park Service yes, Visitor yes. Center up there? Yes. Um, and so he had, he was given a lot of, he had a lot of leeway uh, that many other black people just didn't have. He had a lot of freedom. He could walk the streets, you know, and, and nobody would bother him. Um, he was never, to our knowledge, involved in any altercations of any sort. Um, whites liked him because of his sincere and fundamental belief in the Bible. And while some of his sermons may have been kind of quirky, 
and people came under the guise of laughing at him and you know having a rollicking good time. They left with a different understanding altogether. You may think somebody is cuckoo, but once you hear them preach, then uh, once you hear them talk, then you'll change your opinion about that person because of the sincerity in which they, they present it. This is a very good article here that was done some years ago by Colonial Williamsburg, and there is a passage in this article that gets at it very, very well. I'm going to read it to you as soon as I can find where that passage is. It's, I really should mark it because it, um, it, it, just, it just speaks volumes of the power that he had over people. And, you know, there was music made, you know, by Sundu Move. And it was just, he was the king of hearts and could sway people as the wind shakes the trees. You know, he just had that kind of, um, where is, where is that piece? It is back here. Oh, here we are. Okay. So here is uh, 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 a description of uh, being in the church and hearing him. Uh, Jasper's performances. Because I think, yeah, it was a performance. Right. You know, it wasn't somebody standing behind. He would run all around the pulpit. He'd wear capes and Kaiser hats, helmets, and oh, yeah. Jasper's performances were a Pentecost for the curious a juicy apple for the hard-driven reporter, a festival for the scoffer, and a roaring financial bonanza for the saints of the Sixth Mount Zion Church. There you go. So there you have, you know, it was all going all at one time, and people were singing and shouting and carrying on, and the reporters were here, and they were writing down everything they saw, and the deacons were... Raking in the money in the collection plates. Sure. There you go. Ding dong. And and so that's going to go from, and we started in uh, 1867. Yes, with the founding of the church. Now, he were in, he was in all the churches, but he never was the pastor. Sure, but he, yeah, he starts there. his own, his own. He was in Petersburg for a considerable time. And I guess many people thought he was going to stay down there with the Third Baptist Church of Petersburg. But his family was here in Richmond. And he was just going down to Petersburg to preach and then he'd come back here. Uh, I don't know what happened down there at Third Baptist, but he somehow he decided not to um, stay with that church. Okay. And he came back to Richmond. The war was over. He was making bricks or whatever his income was, however he was making his income. He, had, he was married, I think by this time he was married a second time, and all the children were born. Um, and then he decided to establish his own church, and he called it the Sixth Mount Zion Baptist Church. We are, in those days, the churches, as they were established, ran chronologically. Right. First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, Fourth Baptist, Fifth Baptist, Sixth. Mount Zion. So, okay, so that was, I was actually thinking, so there's not already one through five Mount Zion Baptist Church. No. Right, got it. Um, it's like, yeah, first 
Presbyterian, Second Presbyterian, sure. Third Presbyterian. They all ran chronologically and so for a while, and then they got all these other names. Primarily, the black populations are going to be in Baptist churches as well, right? I mean, the are majority they... of the black populations right. are going to be in the Baptist churches and then the Methodist churches at that time. Okay. And um, are I we guess... on? I mean, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, is that good? Is that all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, good? yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're on, they say, "Yeah, no, I, just, I like okay. this." Okay. Hopefully, freewheeling dog. Yeah, hopefully we can just That's just, just yeah, do we'll this and just uh, yeah, yeah, and just make it happen, right? Um, yeah. The uh, and so is he uh, the Mount Zion? Is that in, in particular oh, I think passage or his, no? That's kind he, of like his way of putting a little something to it. Just a little flair. instead of the Sixth African Baptist Church, which is what they're all called. First African Baptist, Second African Baptist, Third African Baptist, and they're all in existence today. Right. Fourth African Baptist, Fifth African Baptist, Sixth Mount Zion. Sure. There you go. And so, and so you're saying they're on Belle Isle? Well, uh, we were organized on Brown's Island. On Brown's Island. Island. Brown's Island. horse stable. The Confederate horse stable. The war was over. The, mm-hmm. war, uh, the fire had burnt down down there. The troops had gone home, and um, Jasper was inspired in in, in nineteen in his fifties, nineteen fifty five, probably. He was about I'm sorry, he was probably fifty five years old. Was inspired to organize his own church. All these other churches have been organized, so he organized his own church. He started out with ten members uh, in that horse stable. They paid him $7 on Saturdays to preach on Sunday morning. And um, he was already popular. So it didn't take long for the congregation to grow. Sure. It didn't take long at all. Any indication if he's, I mean, is he squatting in this stable? Is it, is he renting it or, you know? I think, yeah, I think he, it was given to them to use. Okay. Um, they were using it. Um, I think that yeah, they were, uh, squatting might be a term too. But is and is it still a stable or is it it's abandoned? It's abandoned. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's just and now it's just a shanty. Yeah. Some sort of wooden building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stable is all it's all over. The horses are gone. Everybody's gone. Yeah. And 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 along the James River, uh, there were a lot of buildings like that down there after the war that didn't burn down. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of buildings. I think this was just a place to meet. Uh, to kind of get their act together, and uh, and like I say, two years later, we were here. We purchased the um, the chapel. Sure, we had raised enough money to buy a chapel right. in two years, which is pretty substantial. These are people fresh out of slavery. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, the are I mean, are these? I mean, yeah, where are these? Where are they getting money? I mean, where, you know, where is that? Well, they worked. You know, slaves did work. I mean, but that's a substantial. Um, I mean, unless that crowd gathered that large, that I mean, it's you know, I mean, that's that's a lot of money just to buy a building in two well, years. This one was built in eighteen eighty seven, and uh, well, and, they, and that's know, the building we're in. We're in now. now, yeah, and uh, that was at a substantial cost. But you know, um, <laughs> when it comes to churches, folks, <laughs> folk. People may cry poor, but when it comes to churches, even today, people will dig in their pockets and right. and, and keep these old buildings going. I mean, if it's not the roof, it's the steps. 
If it's not the steps, it's the boiler. If it's not the mm-hmm. boiler, it's the windows. It's always something in these old buildings. Right. And none of these congregations aren't rich. We don't have a millionaire in, in sight. But we will dig in our pockets and we will pull out the money to repair and make all of this is a whole new pipe right here going through this room. Oh, wow. Because the old pipe, this pipe is the that runs the water to the radiators upstairs. Well, uh, a few years ago, this pipe had seen better, you know, better days, and it began leaking and spouting and spewing in this room. Yeah, can you imagine? I thought I'd die. Yeah, yeah, I walked yeah. in and saw what had happened. Um, but hey, we gotta fix it. You gotta, you know? gotta do what you gotta do, uh, right? Uh, I'm, yes. So. Well, so then, when, so it's, where, what is this area like when this is built? Uh, well, this area was not Jackson Ward when we came here in 1869. There were still a lot of white people living in this area. There was a large German um, influence in this area. Jews were in this area. Blacks were in this area. It was changing. And many blacks were beginning to concentrate in this area uh, for whatever reason. It could have been because there were the churches here. There were churches here before we were here. Ebenezer was already around the corner on Lee Street. Third Street, Bethel Amy was already down there on Third Street. Um, St. Philip's Episcopal was up there on Lee Street. So wherever your churches are, your neighborhoods grew up around them. Right. And so but, we had several black churches already here. So, I mean, but is the the is it dense with houses at that point? Oh, or, God, yes. I mean, it's hard. Yes, so. yes, indeed. It was packed. And, it's and it packed. is, and it's already the city of Richmond. Like, we're yes. not in Rico. Oh, right? no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. downtown Richmond. Okay. Um, but the concentration of blacks was occurring. And the Jackson Ward came during Reconstruction. Okay. Um, so that by the turn of the century, uh, into the 20th century, it had taken hold as Jackson Ward. Maggie Walker was coming along. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that whole business on 2nd Street with the Hippodrome and all that heyday stuff, that came much later. Right, right. But that right. was like the 1930s, 1940s, and 1950s. Jasper, you know, we're talking about this right after the Civil War coming over here. Absolutely. Um, and to tell you the truth, they may have um, taken a bold step to even venture into this neighborhood. But in all indications of that, it was a changing neighborhood anyway. Okay. Whites, whites were moving out of the neighborhood and more blacks were moving in. Is he preaching to whites? Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, I mean, are the, is the, are the congregation oh, yes. integrated, or is that... Yes, yes, we had many white members doing Jasper's Day. That's very, very true. He was, uh, you know, it's hard to, um, not hard to explain, but he was quite popular <clears throat> with white people. That's helped him a great deal. Let's just see what some of these articles, these articles bear out. Um so much uh, Richmond Negro excited. Here's an article. A special dispatch from Richmond, Virginia says, the Negroes in the city are greatly excited today by the announcement of the possible fatal illness of the Reverend John Jasper, the Negro preacher who made famous two years ago by preaching the sermon in which he argued that the sun and not the earth moved. A large number of the more illiterate Negroes 
have looked upon Jasper as a sort of prophet and regarded him with superstitious awe. He is the pastor of Mount Zion Church on the outskirts of the city. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And has the largest congregation of any preacher in the South and one of the largest in the United States in numbering about 4,000 members. Wow. That's... Uh, so that's one article. Here we go at Mozart Hall. The Reverend John Jasper, the colored sun orator, attracted to Mozart Hall last evening a very large audience, both male and female, of our best people. There were preachers, judges, lawyers present, and all white, more or less amused at his quaint and graphic description in illustrating and expounding the teachings of the Bible. They were struck by the speaker's earnestness in defending his position that the sun moved. So, and so and yeah, and so that goes, I mean, we kind of... I mean, these are newspaper articles. Yeah, and those are from white paper, that, the, yes. the two you just read, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, um, well, I know that definitely the one that said the, the best of our citizens and then went on to go list white jobs at the time was definitely a, a white paper. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in, it, because that's what he gets him his, you know, genuine fame is this, the, the sun do move. Mm -hmm. um, and when does he actually, when does he start giving this sermon? 1887. 1887. That's when, when it came out in 1887. And... Well, he was no spring chicken. He was probably in his 70s, maybe. Okay. And so, yeah, like you said, the, the concept is that the sun is revolving around the earth. And the earth and the, was square. And the earth is square. And the sun do move and the earth am square. And um, here he took the passages of Joshua, where Joshua, and all the Bible scholars, you know, they know this. Joshua commanded the sun to stop. Joshua the great Israeli soldier, mm -hmm. uh, was commanded by God to um, go and fight. And um, one, you know, the one is Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. So Joshua himself was a great warrior. Anyway, uh, was it uh, the sun was shining that day and Joshua wanted more sunlight to fight his battle? He didn't want to fight in the dark. And Joshua asked the Lord to stop the sun so that it would shine for a long period of time. And the Bible says that the sun stopped in its path. Um, and Jasper would say, well, anything that stopped had to be moving. There you go. And so, so you're saying that if people came to see us, I mean, did, uh, folks obviously knew that the world's not square. Oh yeah, they yeah. That. You know. Well, there was those. There was that group of people, um, the Zelotite, whatever that name of that crowd was, that did believe. Uh, I don't have it here. That did believe. There was a crowd in England that still believed that the Earth was flat. Okay. The sun do move the Earth and square, and there was a crowd in England even in the late nineteenth century. Um, that believed that the earth was still flat. And so does Jasper actually believe that? No. No, okay, so... I don't think he doesn't believe that. I mean, are people mocking him? Or in a is sense, it? they do mock him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody came to 
Oh yeah, you didn't. I mean, this sermon was announced. It was always announced in advance. You know, you didn't have, you didn't perchance pop up on the Sunday mood. Oh, I'm so lucky I was in the church that day. That's when he preached that sermon. Oh no, 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 no. You knew that was going to come. Okay. Um, you knew that sermon was being preached. Um, you knew that sermon was going to be preached. And uh, because the newspapers um, announced it, here we go, hundreds of people hear what they are doing, personal honors upon Reverend John Hans. Oh, there's something else right here. This is not... This is not what I want to share with you. Okay, here we go. Well, here's one. The Sunday move. Sunday, it was generally known, generally known, that the Reverend John Jasper would deliver at his church on Duval Street the famous sermon, The Sunday Move. It has been a good many years since Reverend Jasper and his wonderful sermon were discovered, but it is in fact that he always interests his, his hearers and never fails to introduce new matter into the remarks. Sunday was no exception to the general rule, and the result was that a full house listened. A large percentage of those present were white people, many of our fairest ladies gracing the occasion. Okay, I can go on and on, but right. this kind of gives you the, you know. It's, these articles are mostly a who's who. Yeah, and who all and was so the there. General Assembly actually calls him. And he gives the speech at the General Assembly. At the General Assembly, that is very, very true. Yes, everybody wanted to hear it. Yeah, nobody. It was never considered. Oh my, a great piece of oratory. Mm -hmm. It was just something you know that's buzzing around. And well, what you gonna do? Yeah. So, and how long you is this? Well, watch last? television. There were certain no football games and things like that. No movies and things like that to entertain you. You had to go back to the church. Sure. The church was in many ways. Not so much sacred and entertaining. Yeah, because that you don't have anything else to do. And, and so, what? Um, you know, how long is he? How long is this going on? That he? I mean, like, is this for his whole life that people want to hear this, or is this till the end of his death? Okay, fair enough. So, nineteen oh one. And and what brings that on? I mean, is it the? Is he sick near the end? Is he? I mean, passed suddenly or? Yeah, well, he died in, in March 1901, mm -hmm. on the same day that the um, Jefferson Hotel burned down. Oh, wow. And so, yes, and so you have the headlines now. There are two headlines. The Jefferson Hotel, the finest structure in the South, burns. And the Reverend John Jasper, pastor of the Six Mount Zion Baptist Church, uh, dies. Here's one. The St. Paul, in Saint, here's the, the appeal. St. Paul, Minnesota. I mean, this wasn't just Richmond papers. Okay. 1890, April 5th, 1890. Richmond, Virginia. April 1. One cannot be in this city, Richmond, for any length of time without having his attention attracted to the Reverend John Jasper, who has become famous by his sermon, The Sunday Move. Brother Jasper has preached the sermon 175 times and still continues to preach it at regular intervals. Learning that it would be delivered last Sunday, the appeal, the name of the paper, decided uh, to go and hear it. This is the appeal in St. Paul, Minnesota. On arriving at the church, which provided to be very credible structure, this is the red brick 
Uh, I was politely received and shown a seat. So this is probably the reporter yeah. from the paper from St. Paul. But before giving any detail of this truly wonderful exposition of Bible doctrine, it may be well to give a brief account of the life of the preacher. Okay, so they go through his life. He was born in 1812. In 1839, he became converted, and soon after, he became a preacher. In 1840, he began his ministry. Uh, when Richmond surrendered, and Jasper became a free man, so the war is over, and he became a free man with only 73 cents in his pocket, and was in debt for the house that he rented, the amount of $42. It may be said that there that he is now worth some thousands of dollars. Until 1867, he did general missionary work, both in the city and in the country, during which time he had a great many calls to different colored churches, but accepted none of them. So he never... Right. This is his church. Uh, on Sunday of 1867, he organized the church, and it goes on. Anyway, I'm just kind of going through these articles here to kind of give you the flavor. Yeah, but so what happens when he dies? I mean, is that going to be, I mean, that's, I'm assuming that's going to be a pretty substantial blow to the church. Well, and to the, you know, I mean, is that, uh, you know, high on the hog there, you know, having... Oh, the Jasper funeral was the funeral of the day. Right, and that's... Yes, indeed. It went on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah, um, oh, and yes. held here, I'm sure. It was held here at the church. Yes, yes, yes. We have things upstairs. Oh, here we go. Here, okay, so he's dead now. Mm, this is like March 1901. Reverend John Jasper died yesterday. Famous colored preacher passes away at a ripe old age. His son do move sermon. S-O-N, son. <laughs> a discourse that gave him a worldwide reputation, attracted widespread attention. Story of his life. Okay, so here we go. The Reverend John Jasper, the central figure among Negro Baptists of the city and the most widely known colored preacher in America, is dead. He passed away peacefully away yesterday morning at 1035 at his home, 1 at 1112 St. James Street. There's a house up there. Right. Surrounded by his relatives and men of his friends. He had lived nearly 90 years. He was really 88 years old and had gradually been growing weaker and, and, and feebler. In the death of Reverend John Jasper, a most unique figure in the ministry of the country passes away. His fame was worldwide, and when visitors came to Richmond, they hunted up Jasper and tried to introduce him to preach for them his famous sermon. And when he, was, when he consented, he was assured of an audience with few preacher, that few preachers can boast. See, Jasper was getting the attention. Yeah. And, and, and far be it for me to surmise what was going on at that time, but I suspect a lot of preachers were rather jealous. You know, I mean, there's a certain amount of jealousy today among preachers. Sure. I can tell you that right now. And so here you got this minister over here at this church preaching this crazy sermon, the sun moving the earth and square, when we know doggone well that's not the case. The sun is round. Right. And the sun doesn't move, the sun stays in place, and everything broke, you know, science teaches us that. Who is he to be over there preaching old cuckoo stuff to people <laughs> with roaring success? <laughs> Everybody knows it's not true, everyone knows it's crazy, but yeah, it, it packs out the house. Yeah. Um, yes, one preacher in particular didn't like it at all. And would write articles in the newspaper about it and, and chastise Jasper about it. That's how you did it in those days. You, mm -hmm. you wrote up your displeasure in the newspaper. Um, 
But in the end, you know, the servant won over. Sure. Now, everybody didn't like it. And at one point in time, they thought they would take it on the road. And so maybe they went to D.C., maybe Baltimore, Philadelphia. Those crowds up there didn't go for the Sunday move. I think they were just a little bit too sophisticated for that. And it didn't work. But they just packed up their bags and came back home to Richmond where it did work. Right. And the Sunday move remained, even today, still a sermon that um, many people like to uh, bring attention to. Sure. Well, it seems like the uh, the 1901, uh, well, it's never a good time for anyone to pass away. It's a good time for the church because, I mean, at that point you're getting, you know, the, the neighborhood of Jackson Moore is beginning it's to... It's getting take hold, yes. Yeah, beginning to take hold. And it's, uh-huh. um, so, you know... Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's no troubles carrying on after him or, you know, everyone just keeps on keeping on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the... Congregation stays about the same size. I mean, are, are people gonna? I mean, I'm sure some folks are gonna say about oh, this. You know, well, you know, this guy's um, good, but he's no John. Ja- you know, he's no Jasper. Well, that know. was Reverend Peyton's uh, problem. Um, after Jasper died in 1901, in 1902, Reverend Randolph V. Peyton became the new pastor from Washington D.C. Now, there were a number of preachers that were on the short list, I'll call it, from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because this, when this pulpit was up and Jasper was dead, um, this, this was a pulpit, you know. This was, oh, God. <laughs> you, you would really have to be a preacher who, know, who knows who you are sure. uh, to, to follow. Um, now, Peyton came. Yes, he did. Um, I think it was stormy. I think it was rough. Because Peyton resigned from the pulpit two times. Mm. Around 1910, he announced he was resigning from the pulpit. And indeed he did. And he left the church. I think he went away to New Jersey. And the, the members of the church went and found him. And brought him back to, to this church. And told him, your work is not done. You've got to finish out here. And he stayed for another ten years. Till at which time he wanted to tear down the Jasper Church. And build his church, right? And that didn't go over well, and so he resigned a second time, and that was that. Huh? And so, uh, right around that time, you definitely have, you know, within the neighborhood, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't know, maybe even during Jasper's time, is our, you know, John Mitchell Jr. Yeah, they um, were all cranking up this. I mean, they're all are Jasper's they, much ahead of them, though. Are they coming here or? I, I mean, are they? No, I don't think they were coming here. They were not members here. Yeah, it seems like it would some, be something. There below, were many other churches to choose from. And something other below them, you know. Oh, well, you know, I don't know. To go to this sermon, time. yeah, they could have been, but there were many other churches. You didn't have to come to Six Mile Zion. Right. You no, know, you didn't. There was First African, absolutely, which is kind of like the mother church. Right, which Maggie is Walker Maggie Walker was there. Maggie Walker's church. The Wild Evans Gold was there. Um. You had uh, Second Baptist, Second African Baptist over on the West End. So they were holding down the uh, people who lived in the West End part of the, of the uh, city. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of whom I suspect were maybe worked at, at Maymont. Mm-hmm. As some Six Months Island people worked at Maymont. Uh, there was Ebenezer up here on Lee Street. The, right. the uh, high educated um, crowd 
Yes, and fair in color. Um, so you had that crowd. So, of course, Oliver Hill, mm -hmm. many. I, I, I worked with their history committee, and I told them, y'all should collect diplomas, you know, all your deceased <laughs> members. You probably have more diplomas, you know, they probably could fill up a room with more diplomas because their church, you know, sure. aspired to that. You didn't have to come here. You could have gone to Fourth Baptist up in Churchill, right. which was like the mother church of Churchill. Fifth Baptist on Cary Street, another church in the West End. And then across the river in Manchester at the time, there is the Mayor's Church, First Baptist of South Richmond. Mm -hmm. A big operation over there. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to come here. Those are Baptist people. Then there was Asbury Methodist Church up in right. Churchill. They're very old. Uh, St. Philip's Episcopal Church was up here on Lee Street. But but in other folks St. Joseph's Catholic Church, so you, the the AME Church. So you you went where your faith was. Yeah, but are the these Baptists folks are these folks beginning to be uh, caught up in that fervor of um, you know I guess to where what I kind of I guess the the overall picture of Jackson Ward is at that time you have Maggie Walker, John Mitchell Jr. who are especially raising up the um, the mental fortitude. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much, you know, the, the general What sense. they were creating was the, um, not so much a spiritual um, um, foundation, mm -hmm. but what they were creating was the economic Absolutely. foundation. Absolutely. Because it's only... And that's what their focus was on. It's only two blocks away is where the... Uh, um, the, the W. W. Brown House is around the corner, right? Where he's going to start the the, the Bank of the True Reformers. Mm -hmm. um, so see, you get into banking. Yeah, John Mitchell was into newspapers. Sure, and then of course the Second Street was developing as an entertainment, mm -hmm. which is not the church. In fact, you're talking about oil and water now. Okay, um, and it's so ironic, and I do have to raise my eyebrows sometimes that. Jackson Ward doesn't give the churches enough of their due. They put it all on the Hippodrome and Maggie Walker and John Mitchell, who all have died and gone on away. And and while there was a heyday where the entertainers were coming here, Lena on Cap Calloway and all a lot of them, uh, it still failed. Sure. But the churches stayed. Now, only, some left, yes, that's true, but many are still here today, and I maintain that it was, if it wasn't for the churches that kind of held the held it together, albeit if it was just on Sunday mornings, um, the whole, this whole Jackson War thing would have would have fell apart. Particularly sure. when the highway came through, and in spite of the highway, yeah. And let's let's uh, get into that because that was um, uh, jumping way in time. Now. Sure, well, I guess that's like another forty, thirty years. Yes. 30, I mean, yeah. um, the nineteen fifties. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, because for the most part, the interstates. Yeah, especially 95. It's about you 50 can, or 60 years old. The, yeah, yeah. The interstate system. And you so. can pretty much figure out where all the poor and mostly well, good black yeah. neighborhoods are by interstate following where the interstate is. was being constructed in the 1950s. You can ride it from Boston all the way down to Miami. And that stretch of it came through Richmond. Now, there are lots of theories. Uh, but no matter how you cut it, it, it was coming through. Mm-hmm. And, and we were in the midst of it. We were to be, in many ways, we were to be torn down. We were given three alternatives by the highway authorities. One, tear the church down. I think they were going to give us some money and we'd rebuild someplace else. Two, try to see if we can move the church out of the pathway of the highway. Mm -hmm. And three, 
swing the highway around the church, thus no demolishing the church or anything like that. And of course, that's what's happened in part because of the Jasper legacy and how that legacy was woven into the history of the state of Virginia. And see, is there the the story I heard is that there were people standing outside? Or well, we had a lot of support. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, were there well, active we protests as it was going? Well, is it? Uh, yes, and the students at Virginia Union yeah, were mm-hmm. involved with it. But here in the church, we had our own confederate down in City Hall, and her name was Serelia Johnson, and I think she was an elevator operator. Okay. And um, somehow she was. She would hear things mm-hmm. down in City Hall. She was privy to hearing what decisions were being made. Somehow she heard things. And she'd bring that information back to the church. Okay. So we kind of always knew uh, somehow what was going on. It helped us a great deal to help for our fight. to, re- to Right. So you mean Confederate as in spy, not yeah, as in, yeah. in Richmond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our spy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Our spy, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, because the interesting thing, you know, thinking about that is that it actually goes, it almost, you know, just barely misses the church. And then, as it curves back, it just barely misses the St. Luke building, Maggie Walker's, um, which I don't know if that's intentional or that was just... yes, because, um, and this is where I get in trouble, I, when the first, well, I think that people in Jackson Ward, around the 1950s, Jackson Ward was becoming a rather tatty and deteriorating neighborhood. Okay. There were a lot of buildings that were dilapidated, and, mm-hmm. and some were abandoned and, and not even being used. When the first African Baptist Church sold their building to the Medical College of Virginia, mm-hmm. and they moved to the north side on Haynes Avenue, they purchased a white church, Barton Heights Baptist Church, I think it was. Then many of their members who lived down here, because in those days you lived near the church Mm -hmm. so you could walk to the church many of them these residents and members of First African moved near the church Right. so as First African moved so did many of their members then you had Virginia Union University who was also pulling your educated elite people to move up near the campus. Mm-hmm. So when the highway came through, however they cut it, they, I think, looked at here is a mass of structures mm-hmm. that don't, well, their life is over, their mm-hmm. lifespan is over. Because when you, when we talk about, oh, the highway came through and over 700 homes were destroyed and all kind of, you know, that's very well maybe true. But I never hear of any major structure that was torn down. I've never heard, oh, that wonderful hall, that, that massive building, it was a, a right. you never hear of, of any particular building that was lost to the highway. We were. We are like the main one, but we weren't lost. Sure. And interesting enough, the St. Luke building wasn't torn down either. It's just right over there. Yeah, it's just the other yeah. side of it. And it's basically that, if you look at that bend, it's like on either side of it. It's bend. almost a concerted 
yeah. way in which the highway wiggled through. Right. And which is a sad state of affairs because they might go right through it today. It looks so awful. I mean, I don't know. It looks abandoned to me. I don't know what's in there, if uh, anything. You know, but That's uh, Ron Stallings. He owns all that property, and he's got to come up with some plan to do something for it. But see, that's the other side of the highway. That's a whole new set of issues because you're in Gilbert Court and, and all that right. stuff like that. It's such an amazing building, uh, you know. But I, I can hopefully that they can get something going on with it. I, eventually, they will. Um, it's it's a matter of really um, trying to figure out not so much what you're going to do with that building, but what you're going to do with that that side of the highway, right? And, and all the land and the inhabitants and all that kind of stuff. Well, because and it seems like that, um, you know, while and, and I guess to play devil's advocate, I'm sure all the people that lost their homes within that are going to say they were maybe weren't important to the world, but they were my house. Oh yes, I've met so, people like that who, 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 yeah, they were living in their homes and they lost yeah. them. But that's no different from when the um, expressway came through sure. so many years ago. I know people who lost their homes. Uh, to the expressway, I suspect they got money out of it, though, mm-hmm. you know. But they, um, you know, it also did some pretty dramatic stuff as far as just dividing Well, the, it, the word is called bifurcated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it bifurcated downtown or bifurcated uh, Jackson Ward. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Jackson Ward is on this side now. Sure. And over there is a whole new something else. And, you know, kind of going, moving forward through the interstate, I mean, um, I mean, is that going to benefit at all? I mean, I guess that's well. The you know. thinking at the time was that the interstate, because rail activity was waning, sure. And you, if you were running a business, you had to go out to where the railroad yard was to get your goods and get them downtown to where you are to your store. The thinking was, well, with this interstate and automobile and trucks and things, now being the preferred mode of transportation, they now can just come right on in town and back up to your store and unload. Sure. You know, and keep, and you don't have to go through the business of going out to wherever the rail yards were uh, to get your stuff and bring it in town. Right. Um, and so, you know, shortly after that's going on, though, the... Um, I mean, the, the neighborhood is going to definitely start going down pretty sub- yes, around does. there it substantially. Does. It goes down substantially after the highway. Mm-hmm. And so by the 1960s and 70s and into the 80s, I'd say, shoot, you could buy one of these old houses around here for $10. Mm-hmm. Of course, and that all has you know, and, turned around. And it seems you know, desegregation ends up having pretty good impact on the city in general as well, where it's going to accentuate that white flight. That starts after the World War Two. Yes, um, yes. And so we began to desegregate the schools in the early sixties. I think is when you see the noticeable desegregation occur. Yeah, it occur. It's uh, so. I mean, within that civil rights movement, um, you know. I guess we talked a little bit Martin Luther King. Was, well, was he... the Reverend A.W. Brown was the pastor here for okay. forty-three years. 1924 to 1967, and A.W. Brown was quite a man. He was, one, a missionary man, and he believed in missions, and he was active in mission organizations on an international scale. He traveled the world. He traveled through Europe, Haiti, uh, spreading the gospel. He was also um, at Virginia Union University. He was one of the big-time 
religious instructors up there and he seemed to always have his hand in um, civil rights issues. We mm -hmm. hosted the Emancipation Day services here and that sort of thing. At any rate... Um, for, for the city or uh, just... For the city. Oh, wow. Because yeah. so, yeah. I know those were right pretty substantial they, parades. Mm, I mean, I know... Yeah, yeah. Um, we... I, mean, I don't have it with me. But um, I know we hosted the Emancipation Day services in 1942 here. Okay. And the article from that, because there's a, a big newspaper article about it. And the speaker was from the NAACP. Mm -hmm. And the article kind of indicated that our doing this kind of revived the emancipation services. I think it kind of waned. Right. And we jumped in to bring it back together. And that's a big thing over there at Fifth Baptist Church on Cary Street. But um, so Martin Luther King was in Richmond again. And um, he was scheduled to preach here at Six Mile Zion. They called it a rally. It was going to be a rally here. And, um, and there are newspaper articles on that. Uh, but he decided to go to Memphis. And so he did And, and that's your fir his first time coming here? He, he, yeah, I think he had been to Richmond before at Virginia. Okay. I mean, but to, to the church? Oh, to the church. Yeah. It's been his first time here, yeah. If he had come here. <laughs> and so that's in 1948. No, this is 1968, because yeah. he went to and, Memphis, and, and, and that's, that's when he was that's what, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, because and it was actually funny, because uh, I had the, um, the last conversation I recorded, it was actually the first time I'd ever heard that. that. Um, and We have I, the newspaper articles. I don't have them. I was here. pretty shocked. And, and so what Martin Luther, I mean, um, Muhammad Ali was supposed to be here, and he, what, he, he ends up speaking, or... Because um, that's, I guess, what they were saying is that it was supposed to be a double bill with Martin oh, really? Luther King and, mm. and Muhammad Ali, or mm. um, Muhammad Ali didn't get here though. Okay, I think after Martin Luther King decided not to come here, all that whole effort, the event just dies. The event died. Yes. Um, and but we have newspaper articles in the in the archive that speak of his coming here to preach. And articles that speak of the sadness in the city of the assassination of Martin Luther King. It didn't right. reach here as expected. Sure. What a uh, pivot, I mean, of all Oh, that things. would have been quite a feather in our cap. I know, mean. To say that he preached at this pulpit. As many churches around the country whose pulpits he did preach in. Sure. Oh, they tout that. My goodness gracious, they take that from yeah. that. They run with that, yes. I mean, and if... You know, to say Richmond could have saved Martin Luther King. Um, yeah, um, uh, certainly whenever it's Martin Luther King Day, yeah, we would probably be a church that is looked upon, you know, as being, oh my, preaching this your church. Sure. What was it like when he used to say everybody's dead? Right. You know, who was here around here at that time. Hmm. Uh, many of them are dead. There are some folks still around. Sure. Yes, yes. But yes, the Jasper, um, we are a very fortunate church in that, um, we were launched into the public spotlight at the very inception of the church. Sure. With Jasper, um, unlike many churches who struggle in their early years to get get going and and build up and build up, and eventually they become these big, wonderful churches. Um, at the very beginning, at the very establishment of, of our church in 1867, we were already placed out there mm -hmm. because Jasper was already out there. And so we have been able to uh, 
And, you know, it's quite a responsibility and quite a, a tricky thing. Now, we've had our low moments. The highway, mm-hmm. when it came through, uh, it cut into our congregational base because many of those people lived in those homes that were torn down, lived in, were members of the church. Mm-hmm. And all they had to do was get up and walk to church. Right. But over the years that followed that, the highway construction, we, you know, grandmother dies and many uh, children and grandchildren, they don't keep the same allegiance to, their, to the old church that the grandparents had. They find other churches. Sure. So we did dip to almost under 300 members. Of course, with Reverend Nelson here now, and we're back up to 1,000 members plus. Hmm. So even in the life of all many churches, you have this pendulum, you know, you may be up on the mountain having a good time, but at some point, I wrote, I saw the paper today where the Richmond Christian Center over there on Kowarden mm-hmm. Avenue, at one point in time, they boasted over 4,000 members. Wow. I don't know what happened over there, but this, they're selling the church and they say now they, they'd be good thinking five, 300 members now. Wow. So you, you know, you have this Ebbs and flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We've experienced it ourselves. And, you know, because how many, is there any guess how many would see the church? Oh, we see a good thousand people. Okay, yeah. It's It's one of the largest sanctuaries in downtown Richmond. It's it's, it's really beautiful as well. And one of the things that I was uh, looking at is the stained glass windows in there. Yeah, they're made out of tan and white art glass. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and each window has a scallop uh, crowning to each of the windows. And they also have um, what looks like military distinctions, like division. Well, what you saw were the names of people uh, at the base of the windows. There was a colonel, a captain, and a lieutenant. Right. Well, again, when um, John when John Jasper died, we had not paid George Boyd all the money that was due to him for that church and um, so when Reverend Peyton came not only did he have to be a spiritual leader but he had to raise money to pay right. the debt of the church and so these 12 brigades were organized to uh, help raise uh. money to pay off the debt of the church and each brigade had a colonel so it's like the Salvation Army not an actual army yes, yes. And so the uh, I guess the, the building itself and it's what is the the only black church on the national registry? Did I make that up? No, no, no. There's something of some says some kind of distinction in. Well, we are not the only. We used to be the only in a lot of things, but over time, you know, you'll stay the only. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are on the national register of historic places in two categories: our association with the Reverend John Jasper and architecture. Okay. We are on the Virginia Landmark Register, uh-huh. and we are the only black church in the city of Richmond that is its own historic district. There you go. That's why I, I think I, I got all those and put them so in one sentence. So you have the Jackson Ward District, and you have the Churchill District, or the St. John District, you have the Fan District, and these districts generally are made up of 14, 15, 20 blocks. Yeah. Know? But you can, here in Richmond, become a single site district. Mm-hmm. If your structure, in our case, has all the bells and whistles that command a district, uh, you can get a uh, recognition by the City Hall to be a single site historic district. And we are a single site historic district. So you're not even in Jackson Ward now. You're in the Six Long Zion district. It's only three acres of land that uh, 
we're we're on, but that's us. Yeah, fair enough. And so and so the original church is, uh, I guess, the building ex- itself is what's uh, um, built in what eighteen sixty eight. Um, this structure here was built in 1887. But the the one the one that w- the w- the w- was on the corner originally, or you moved? Oh, I don't know when that was it was structure. moved we into. Right? Yeah, we bought it. When and we so the one that the only re- thing that I think remains from it are these two windows. Oh, okay, all right. Um, and so the second built the the second building is built. That's uh, again all black. Architect George Boyd. Um, George Boyd. Who built the St. Luke building and the Maggie Walker house. Okay, fair enough. There we go. Um, and I may be making this up again, but I, I swear I remember seeing in somewhere that he was the only He was licensed. the only black man licensed to build buildings in the city of Richmond. Wow. So, um, I don't know how many structures are still up that George Boyd built. I know we're one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suspect that the highway tore down a lot of his structures. Sure. To make the houses, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second phase of this building is built on top the, without um, taking the original structure down. Yes. So this room is a part of that second phase. These are the steps. We're under the steps. Oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. However, this wall here is of... The Boyd Building. Okay. And so the expansion, the 1925 expansion. It's great. Nobody in podcast land will have any idea what we're talking about, but there's a, <laughs> yes. a slanted roof. Yes, and then, uh, yes. yes. Um, but so, and that is... So this room is a part of the expe- that 1925 expansion. Right. And who designs the second uh, That's Charles Russell. Charles Russell. The African exactly. architect at Virginia Union University. Right. Who, uh, and I. Lincoln Bailey was the contractor, a black contractor. Excellent. Excellent. And so um, Charles Russell also... Oh, he was of note, yes. He designed yes. some, um, some pretty amazing... I know yes, he studied at Tuskegee. And... Has, there's one thing that's slipping my mind right now that I cannot think of that he's like really, really well known for. But well, he uh, helped. He was a member of Ebenezer. He was okay. a trustee there, and I think he did some work over the Ebenezer Church. And there's a church over in the West End. It's called the Glorious Temple or something like that. That he actually um, built. Mm-hmm. He built it. As opposed to this was a expansion and remodeling. And, and needless to say. A major piece that he did, but there is a church over in West End that is credited with being his total design. Okay, because to say expansion, I mean, it looks like the, the the photo you showed me earlier. It looked like there was a shell, and then they just built another shell on top, as opposed mm-hmm. to taking a wall out and making it go farther. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so that's what it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was more of a building around the old church and creating the new church hmm. uh, from it. Yes. That's cool, and um. It's a really nice space, and uh, the. Uh, um, I mean, I think that's we've kind of made it all the way up to the present day. Yes, and the present day, of course, there's something to be said about the present day. Yeah. Um, with uh, the Reverend Tyrone Nelson, he is the seventh pastor in the church's 146 year history. Uh, he has, as all ministers, carved out his own or put his own stamp. Mm-hmm. on the congregation most notably a younger congregation we have about a thousand members 600 are probably under 30 years old wow 
Yes. Um, we have ushered in a celebration a form of worship and not standing up singing the old standard hymns. Um, we have, you know, we have the band, we got the screen, and we have dancers. Uh, we are very uh, social consciousness and uh, our responsibility to um, look out for the less fortunate in the community. We're very much involved in that. He is an elected official. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, so we've kind of oh uh, redefined ourselves. On the one hand, we are the Six Mile Zion Baptist Church, the old historic church known for the Jasper legacy and all that good stuff. But at the same time, in another group, in another setting, we're known as uh, a church that is empowered and right. and out doing the things that we should be doing for the community. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, yes. um, I appreciate your time talking to me. Well, thank That's you. Fantastic. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much, Benjamin Ross. That was awesome. Sorry to listeners that had to hear us continually kicking the, the, the table that the mic was sitting on. Hopefully that wasn't too distracting. You still got some some, some content there. But Benjamin, he spent a lot of time with me. He gave me a full tour of the church. Um, you can get a church tour as well. Uh, if you want to just go to the church, 1045 on Sunday mornings, you can go to attend a service and or call Benjamin Ross at Six Mile Zion Baptist Church and he can arrange a tour for you, take you through if you have a group uh, you might be able to set up lunch afterwards, um, working that whole thing out. Um, you know, again, tell your tell your tell your friends, uh, tell your cousins. Um, you know, put it on your Christmas card this year that that people should listen to and, and subscribe and support the the Richmond History Podcast, also known as History Replays today. Make it a great day.